Welcome back to Flipping Dreams. I'm your host, Heather Renee May, and today you get to meet Tosh Turner Fox. She is one heck of an inspiring lady. We talk about passion pursuits, pivots in career, a healthcare wake-up call, and how important it is for you to run your own race. So get ready for this really amazing talk, and I hope you enjoy it. You are listening to Flipping Dreams. Hi, Heather. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So welcome to Flipping Dreams. That's, I guess, the first thing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as you know, this is all about trying to um, encourage people to make pivots in life and to not be afraid, and it's never too late, and basically just a dose of encouragement, support, enthusiasm, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, we all have gone through some major things, bathroom moments, all of that. Sometimes making that pivot and transition is hard. And so, um, I'm really excited for you to tell me about your journey so far. Um, so yeah, if you just want to go ahead and kick it off. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll introduce myself first. So everyone knows who I am. Um, I'm Tosh Turner Fox. Uh, I'm a certified professional coach. I specialize in career coaching and personal development for my company, Tosh Inspires. I'm also a certified scrum master and a certified scrum product owner, along with um, I'm also in management and leadership development for a global tech company. So I wear a lot of hats and uh, stay pretty busy, but <laughs> through it all, <laughs> I think it, it's well worth it that I do those things to keep myself very, very busy. Um, but one of the things, Heather, that uh, I decided to do, you know how you have those aha moments, if you will, uh, those moments of awakening? Uh, one of the things that I uh, decided that I was going to do and committed to myself to doing um, was every year I was going to uh, acquire a new skill or do something new. Um, sometimes it was a success. And other times it was an absolute epic fail, like golf, for instance. <laughs> Who talked me into trying to be a golfer? I don't know. But nonetheless, I love, what's so crazy, Heather, is I love golf. But the reality is I am not very good at it. And I feel really sorry for the people who golf alongside me, because I'm going to have to be honest, instead of them yelling four, they should probably be yelling duck. It's like that bad. But, you know, at the end of the day, I really, you know, you have a passion for something, but it may not be your thing. And as far as golf is concerned, it's an absolute no. But I'm going to still, <laughs> I'm going to still attempt to, to try it because it's something, it's very relaxing to me and it's something that I really enjoy. But um, one of the things that I believe, even in being busy and, you know, we all are busy in our lives, but I believe even if you are busy, you have to create a balance. Uh, and so I found that if you don't create a balance, what happens is things tend to unravel. And for me, in the midst of me being busy and wanting to be uber creative, um, I neglected some very, very important things that I think you have to be mindful for in your life. And for me, that was my health. Um, on last year, I had a routine annual checkup. 
And from there, that checkup turned into a rapidly ordered MRI and then news that would ultimately change my entire life. Um, my son and I were actually, I'll never forget, we were riding in the car, peacefully listening to our tunes. And surprisingly, my son is in college, so he is, he's a grown-up, but he's a new grown-up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, a lot of times, we can find harmony in the types of music that we listen to, and we're able to really, really enjoy it. And I'll never forget specifically that day, uh, it was one of those days where we were just driving along and everything was great. And then you get a call. And you know, now we have the type, a lot of us have vehicles now where the console or the radio console is also your telephone. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's hard to keep a secret when you get a call in that particular instance. So there I was receiving a call. I knew it was from the doctor's office, so I, I needed to answer. So I answered the call, but I was very, very nervous because I knew whatever was going to be told, I would not be able to shield that from my son because he was indeed in the car and listening. So long story short, uh, the doctor came on the line and they announced something very calmly to me. Um, they were very calm in, in announcing it, but they, they told me that um, they had found a tumor in my head. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, and so. That is so well, scary. Like, what do you even do with that? You're like, okay, so, yeah. Listen, uh, listen, hon, I'm gonna tell you something. You know how they talk about the stages of grief? Mm -hmm. I believe I went through all of the stages of grief in five minutes. <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not. It was like, oh, denial. Okay. But I, I need to figure out something. I got a bargain. Oh, oh, okay. I'm angry. I'm mad. Okay. I'm depressed. Oh, okay. I just got to calm down and, and accept it. So all of these things <laughs> within five minutes, I think that actually went through no exaggeration. Uh -huh. But my greatest concern really, Heather, was... Uh, the well-being of my son. He is my only mm -hmm. child. I'm an mm -hmm. only child. He's an only child. And so even though, again, I know he's a grown-up, but he's still in school. He's still learning his way, you know, navigating through life. And so I was very, very concerned if I had really armed him with the tools that he would need in order to make it, mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly. And so that really if nothing else, that really, really broke my heart. Um, but in, despite that, there was some glimmers of hope. So uh, when I went back to the doctor, initially I was so frightened and I thought, surely they're going to have to open up my head. So that was my, the, uh, the physical biggest fear was that I would have to have brain surgery and I have to open up my head and get the tumor out. Well, Rearrange a few things while they're in yeah. there, you know. Yeah, you know, and then <laughs> Clean I'm not, house. you know, and then I'm not the me that I used to be, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I was very fearful of that. I have to be honest with you, my friend. But um, it turns out they did not have to open my head. They didn't have to do any surgery. Um, they actually were able to, now I'm on the treatments for two years, but they were actually able to uh, provide me with a treatment um, through the form of medication that I administer myself. Uh, so that was an extreme blessing for me. But I'm going to tell you something, I have to be honest. And that is that first month of treatments. Oh my gosh. 
It was horrific. Was it? Yeah. It I... was absolutely horrific. And I just want to be, I just want to be very, very candid about that. It was, it was horrific. However, Alicia, do you like to go? I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person. I like to go to the bright side. So yes, it was horrific, but yes, but yes. Besides that, I will say that as time went on, it started to be better. It started to get better. Um, and I'm happy to report now that um, I'm happy to report now that I'm feeling like my old self again. It's been over a year since I started. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those little subtle changes um, that were happening. And that's another thing. So I'll pause here because I do want to mention this. Um, folks, listen to your body. Mm. You are the expert of your own body. And you know what's normal for your body and what's not normal. Again, going back to, oh, I'm so busy. And, you know, we're all busy. But there's certain things that you have to take the time to do. And one is making sure that your health is in order. So for me, I'm going to be honest, Heather, there were things that were happening for years, little bitty subtle things. And you always want to make an excuse about it. So for me, it's, oh, I'm just not eating right. I'm eating too much junk food. I just need to slack up on that. Oh, you know, I need some more rest, which is true. All of these things are true. But when you see that there's clearly some things that should not be happening start to happen, it's mm. time for you to really take notice and it's time for you to, to talk to someone about it and maybe go to a specialist. And, and uh, hindsight, I really wish that's something that I had done very early on and I didn't. Mm. So. Such good advice. That is such good advice. I mean, so, so here you are, you have this amazing positive attitude and this like quest this very curious nature which I love I'm the same way I like if I haven't done something before I'm sure I can do it let me try you know and um and so here you are faced with you've got two years of treatments um so how did you stay like focused on positive things especially during the first few months when it was like this is not fun this sucks you know what good question I'll, I'll tell you I had one of those epiphanies, one of those aha moments again, and I realized a phrase that we say quite often, a lot of times we say it uh, as a cliche, we say, life is too short. Mm -hmm. We say that all the time, oh, life is just too short. But when you really start to examine what those words mean, it makes a total difference. And it, for me, it was a shift in paradigms for me. Um, because if you think about it, so we, you may live, let's say if you live to 120 or even past hundred, it seems like a lot, but relative to thousands and thousands of years that have happened before you, a hundred years is a really short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I decided in that epiphany that I had in that moment, I made a decision that I was going to rob the grave blind and I, I did. And I was not going to give the grave the satisfaction of taking my ideas, my creative expressions, my stories, my books, anything. I decided I was going to deplete my creative bank as much as possible and that 
I was going to start working on passion projects. And there were a number of passion projects that I had in my mind, but one that was specific that I, it just been lingering and lingering and lingering with me was publishing a book. So this year I decided that I would do just that. And I wrote a book and I published that doggone book. That is so awesome. Congratulations. That's a huge, huge feat. I love that. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. Tell me, tell me the title of your book. Okay, so it is called, it's a children's book. And I, you, see, you notice the passion, I went, oh, oh, yeah. So it's called Charlie and the Bigfoot, The New School. Um, it's a book, so, so, so think of it this way. This is relatively what it's about. Um, so the, 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 the thought behind it was, you know, we're in a, in a very conscious time now. Uh, conscious culture, time. Um, topics like bullying, crafting healthy relationships, being unique, all of those things are starting to really, really come to the forefront in order for us to be able to live what I consider our best lives and live it in such a way that we start embracing people where they are. So that's one of the reasons that, um, or the ideas behind the book, Um, But the book itself is about a little young boy who moves from a new town and he starts, he moves into a new town, he starts a new school, and he's ultimately just trying to navigate through the pressures of being the new kid, you know how that is, Mm -hmm. trying to fit in, making new friends, all while trying to conceal this big secret that he has about himself. Um, But in the end, uh, with the help of the new friends that he meets, he discovers that being unique is one of life's greatest treasures. So that's what I really wanted to tap into. What a great message. I love that. Yeah. Just little kids knowing, you know, regardless, being unique is great. Being different is great. And it's not just, again, we use a lot of cliches and we say that often, Hey, you know, you're different. That's what makes you great. But it's true. It's true. If everyone was the same, how dull life would be. Um, and there's no way all of the different ideas and, and creative expressions wouldn't be able to come to fruition because everyone would be thinking the same way, doing the same thing. So, yeah. and, and it's interesting because I feel like our culture, there's fear in difference. So we kind of, our egos already set us up for failure in that department because we're all like trying to fit in with everyone else and we're afraid to show where we're different. And so I love that idea of just being like, yeah, I'm going to just fly this freak flag right now. And this is like who I am and like, whatever. And I, th- and I do think that our culture is, it, we're, we're speaking more. This is something that is now in media. It's, it's conversations that are, you're hearing more and more versus like, you know, maybe our parents then, you know, growing up in the fifties or sixties where it was like everything, well, maybe not sixties, but fifties <laughs> where everything, there was a box and you had to fit in it. And if you didn't fit in it, then they would find a place to put you to hide you from the rest of society. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. I, and I, and I think so, yeah, I think that's so refreshing. Um, because when we really embrace who we are, even if we don't understand it, but when we embrace it and when other people help us embrace that, we're able to really shine that light. We're able to really tap into our creativity in ways that we can't otherwise. Like if there's fear and there's bullying and there's like all of that going on, um, we're just going to hide. 
And what a shame to hide, to hide that beauty from the world, you know? Absolutely. And um, you know what stuck out to me the most about what you just said? And that's when we talk about fear, because what people don't understand is fear is another robber of dreams. When you're fearful, you are not going to be able to tap into what's for you. I believe mm -hmm. everyone has certain things that are for them, no matter what. Someone over here could be doing one thing. Someone over here could be doing a different thing. But there are certain things in this life that are just designed for you. You are here specifically to solve a problem. And so tapping into what that is, to me, that's called purpose. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to solve something. That's my purpose. Needing to figure out what that is. But you can't do it if you're so fearful, if you won't take risks, if you won't step out. It's impossible for you to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. In some of the previous conversations I've had, um, we talk a lot about the perfectionism and how that is part of that whole process, especially for women, where it's like, we have to do it perfectly or we shouldn't do it at all. Like there, and really being able to let go of that and just try the thing, just do it, just take the step. And if you fall, you're going to, you're going to learn so much anyway. And then that's going to feed that feedback will go into your next steps. But I think that it's something that I find people are taking more risks now but I still think it's something that is really difficult. It's not innate. I mean, so like, for instance, I've had like a million careers and pivots in my life. Like, I mean, and people always come to me and they're like, you know, you, you're always reinventing yourself. Like it's easy. And I'm like, it's not easy. It's just that, um, I've been face down in the arena so many times I figured out it's like a muscle I flexed over and over. And so mm -hmm. I've just gotten used to it. I'm just like, okay, let's pivot again. What are we going to do? And I think that, helping people find that resilience and know that it's not something that's comfortable. It's scary as all heck. Every single change I make, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then you just take the leap on faith and then you're met and you know, it's fine. It's not as bad as you think it will be. So, um, and it does get easier over time. It does. I believe it becomes second nature just to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're so used to to doing it. It's just something that just happens. Uh, well, let me ask you this, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to become an interviewer, but I was no. curious about this. So I listened to your story. Love, 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 by the way. It was so good. And uh, one of the things that I loved is, of course, you moved from being a ballerina to tech, which yeah. is very interesting to me. So... Um, a few things that really stuck out about um, your journey and your story was, I guess it's the, the piece in between. It's the dash. It's the hyphen going from ballerina to tech and figuring out, because I'm, I'm certain, and you correct me if I'm wrong, um, for you to be a ballerina, that was something that you lived and breathed. Am, am I correct in, in thinking that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. When I retired, I got a really good therapist and I took up golf and drinking. And that's, I was going to mention that earlier was that actually drinking helps with the golf. <laughs> but Drinks. I, I don't know what to do. I may have to drink some Kool-Aid. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, yeah, it, that's something that takes time. But yeah, no, it was a big deal. It was like, um, and thank you for asking. Like, yeah, it was, um, it, I was 28 and I was in New York and it was like, this was my identity since I was four years old. I was the, I was the ballerina. I was the dancer in the family. 
And when I realized that I was, you know, growing too old, not getting gigs and just, it was time, the writing was on the wall. Um, I just, I didn't really know what to do with myself. I knew I wanted to go back to school, but I had no idea what I would do. And a lot of my journey has been me just trying different things, like tapping Mm -hmm. into things. So one of the things I tell people is to find your passion, you find something that like ticks you off. Like the thing that really annoys you is the thing that you're really going to be passionate about. Like, Mm -hmm. like, um, like for me, injustice, injustice drives me crazy. Like things that like, I get really, really upset. I get really right now. I'm really passionate about when people are defeated, when people just tell me when they give up, Oh my gosh, I can't, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to shake them and be like, no, 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 you can do this. Let's, you know, because I'm just really passionate about people living fully living their lives now, living their best lives. Um, so yeah, like making that transition was a long arc. It was me going back to school. Okay. So it was me going to the therapist. Then, (laughs) then it was, um, yes. Then I was watching a lot of crime shows. And so I was like, maybe I should go into like, I'm into justice. I'm into crime. I'm not going to be a cop or an FBI agent, but like maybe some area in that. And so I ended up going to John Jay college, which in New York is like a cop school um, for forensic psychology. Nice. But then I completely did not do that. I ended up (laughs) creating my own degree, which involved creating a nonprofit, which involved a petition to Mayor Bloomberg to reinstate ferry service in Brooklyn, and which 12 years later, I am happy to say we now have commuter ferry service in Bay Ridge. Oh, virtual high five. Yes. yes. (laughs) And and again, it's like one of those things I was just ticked off. I I was standing on a bus, an express bus, for 45 minutes, 5.50, one way, looking out over the water, like stuck on the BQA, looking out on the water, and there's no boats. There's nothing. And I'm from the Northwest. Like, we have ferries everywhere. So... I did some research and saw we used to have ferries and then they went away with Moses and all of the highway transportation stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had this harebrained idea to do a petition and that ended up in this whole thing. And it was all because I wanted a boat. It was just all because I was mad. I just thought it was really you know, like unjust that people would, and like, what if, like, here I am healthy. What if, if it, like people who, if there were no seats and someone needed to be able to sit down, like they had a, a cane or something, yeah. they'd have to wait a ne- to the next bus and wait for the next bus and wait for the next bus because they were all full. I just thought that's just stupid. So, so anyway, <laughs> so yeah, but I think that, so yeah. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, the ferry, and then I was working in law and I did LSAT thinking maybe I should be a lawyer and then uh, decided I really wanted to enjoy my life more <laughs> and lawyers are really unhappy. <laughs> my son was, he, cause he, he said, mom, you need to be a private investigator or a lawyer. He's, he, that even came up yesterday. And I'm like, he said, but I'm fearful of it. He said, because you're going to get to the bottom of it. And then people are going to be mad at you. I said, you're right. I probably don't need to do that. (laughs) Now, PI is a very interesting crew. So I had a friend who's a private investigator. And um, Mm -hmm. actually, it has a lot to do with trash. Right. He would go through people's trash to find trash. out, to find out. Yeah. It's not a glamorous job, but it's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just a lot of like trying, knocking on different doors. And mm-hmm. then ultimately what happened, because I, I mean, I had a whole thing with filmmaking and anyway, I've had a lot of different paths, just trying out things, trying to figure out what stuck. Most of the things I tried weren't money making things. So um, I finally found myself broke 
and in Boston and working as an executive assistant for a software company. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea about engineering at all. Um, but I would sit in on meetings and they would be solving problems. And I was like, I want to be part of the solution. I want to help solve. I want like to dig in, but I don't know this language. I don't know like, you know, how to do this. And so that at that point I started hearing about boot camps. And so I knew I didn't want to go back for a CS degree. I was already like, has, I have so much student loan debt, but doing a boot camp, I could do a shorter period for less money and come out and be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And now like it's four and a half years later. Um, and I work for a great company, Stitch Fix out of San Francisco. Um, it's yeah. amazing. It's mostly women led. It's a uh, very innovative, um, and I love the people I work with and, and I work remotely, which was my goal. My goal was, I want to do something that challenges me where I can work remotely. And then I can also do these other passion projects that, that I'm interested in. So anyway, that was a long winded answer to your question, but yeah, it was a long, I think we needed it. I think we (laughs) needed it because my whole point to asking you that was I think about, um, and I don't know if a ballerina is considered an athlete, but I feel like it's so physical. If it's not, it should be. But I'm thinking about people that are in um, athletics and things like that. And they there is a shelf life, if you will, for it. You okay. do it for a certain amount of time. And then you have to start thinking about retirement. And retirement, you said 28, that's still so young. But that's a true reality for some people uh, uh, in the uh, athletic realm. And so... What do they do when they're faced, when they're facing that particular area of their lives? How do, what, you know, what's the next moves? What are, what are the steps? So you said, get you some therapy. I'm in agreement with that. <laughs> I think get you some therapy along with, after you, you, you get your everything right mentally there, then I think you may transition into some coaching. So doing some coaching to figure it out. And, and that's for, again, you to figure out this because coaching is not therapy, it's self-realization. So you figuring out now, what is the path that I want to take? And the thing was, at the time, coaching wasn't a big deal. There weren't a lot of coaches out there. It wasn't like, the, I absolutely was like, I need a life coach. I need someone. So, I mean, I had a great therapist who did a great job of like helping me navigate stuff, but... I didn't have those options that we have now, which is why it's really great to see so many coaches, so many people out there helping other people because life is difficult to navigate. It is difficult to make those transitions. And like traditionally for a dancer, your options, your avenues are to teach or, Mm -hmm. um, or you cross train into something else, um, or just, you know, completely drop out and do something different. Um, and it's really, really hard because even, post when you're at a certain and I've read this about other athletes like that train at that professional level where you're like mm-hmm. dancing so many hours a day and you're like you're so focused like everything you do your diet your sleep your activities like everything you do is focused around your sport and mm-hmm. I do see dance as a sport in that way and and when you are when you start to step back from that and you're no longer at that level you can't just go to a, a ballet class a week, once a week, I, I would literally pull every muscle in my body. Cause I would think, Oh, I can just pop into this class. Well, my brain is still thinking I can do all X, Y, and Z. And my body's like, heck no. And I would, and I would not be able to walk the next day, like at all. Like, so it's very, like a lot of athletes, I think they cross train in other completely different disciplines so that they can break that mind body connection because it's just there. You constantly think of yourself in that, 
in that way. Um, it's like muscle memory, right? Yeah. So your muscle is remembering it does these things on a daily basis, but after a while, your physical body, which is whatever age, decides, uh, no, that's a no. And the reality is that you really, unless, I mean, some people are so dedicated, even when they retire, they're still taking classes, they're still involved, they're still doing it. For me, it was a money reality and also just my body. I had injuries. I was just tired. I was, I was hungry from not eating for years and I was tired. And so the first thing I'd, oh, before I got the therapist, I got like, I ate a big plate of French fries. (laughs) You know, so I mean, like all those foods that the fried foods, the stuff that I couldn't eat for all those years, it was like, yes, I'm going to eat like something other than a salad. And like, so, um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think everyone, there's a challenge in anything when you're, when you're so identified with one thing. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the things I kind of try to touch on too with Flipping Dreams is that we have this idea that we're one dream. Like you have one purpose. And then once you've done that thing, then that's it. I guess that's it. My life is done. I'm going to just like check a box and sit and wait it out until I go, you know. And I think that that is really sad because I really believe that we have many dreams. And one of the things that I do um, in, I have a book in progress. And one of the things that I do in this book is try to help people to go back. It's like um, to dig through the rubble of their past and Mm -hmm. find those remnants of dreams that we've maybe forgotten. Like maybe it was writing. Maybe it was like, I don't know, playing an instrument and you thought you could never do it, but honestly, really you can as an adult, you can learn to play instruments and like, you know, just all of those areas that we kind of shut off. We get busy with life, work, kids, you know, family life, and we forget ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to constantly have a conversation with yourself and be cultivating your passions, your soul self, because yeah, you know, I agree. So for me, cause it's so funny that you mentioned so the, your journeys, <clears throat> so many journeys that you went through. Well, initially, <clears throat> and pardon me, initially I um, started out uh, with a background in theater. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I've been doing some type of speaking, some type of public speaking or something of that nature since I was around eight years old. So um so I know I went to school, I, and all through high school, I did theater and public speaking, and I was award-winning, and then went on to college and did theater. Um, and so initially, I thought, you're going to be an actress, uh, and you're going to um, produce, and you're going to write scripts. And um, I did have a regional show in my area for about a year, it was a, a little sitcom that I put together and I, I did all the writing and editing everything uh, virtually and had a great cast there. And I did that. But then, like you said, trying to really make it something uh, where it would sustain you, I, I guess, financially in the way that you would want it to is it can be a very difficult thing. So even though I, I don't regret it at all, but the reality is it never quite popped the way I wanted it to, yeah. to, to, to land that that was going to be how I would sustain my household and, and um, be a success that way. So that being said, I had to find something else to do. And so um, 
it's so funny you mentioned with being a ballerina that one of the uh, logical things to do after you have your career is to teach. So for me, uh, that logical thing was, okay, I, I did some of the acting, that was good. Now let's go into the teaching portion. So I had a little acting academy for a while and that mm -hmm. went really, really well. Um, a lot of people were able to learn and grow and develop in their skills there. So I'm excited about that and excited for um, some of the folks that came out of it and, and were, were successful in their lives. So I, I really think that I was able to pour out my passion to them and create um, some type of passion inside of them to go and to, to be well and to reach their full potential. So that was great. But ultimately, again, I go with, really trying to sustain a lifestyle that you're accustomed to. You transition into something else. And so ultimately, it's so funny, I landed in the tech space as well. Uh, <laughs> so after doing um, the film and television thing, after doing the teaching thing, finally, I landed in the tech space. And really, it, to be honest with you, it makes sense since everything in our world now is somehow connected to tech. So it makes sense that that would be the logical next step for me, even though it going from, in your case, a ballerina to it seems weird. In my case, going from film and television to teaching to that seems weird. But at the end of the day, it's the way the world is turning. But it's also the process, right? Because you're in Scrum and like, like so, there's a lot of creativity in tech that people don't realize. There's also a lot of crossover skills, soft skills that we get um, in the arts that people don't realize either. They just see, oh, you're a ballerina, you dance, you're performing. They do not see the discipline and the hours of practice and the over and over repeating. And maybe for you, like studying lines or, or just like all of that where it's very rep repetitive, where you're continuing to do something over and over until you get it right. And then you're trying to repeat that right thing. And it's like, it's, that's tech. I mean, when you're coding, when you're in a tech atmosphere, it's like you are literally doing something very repetitive, very, you're, you're trying to fix problems. You're trying to find, you know, solutions to things. And it is very, um, and a lot of those solutions can be very creative. Um, mm -hmm. They can involve, there There are like many ways to solve the one thing usually. So it's like figuring out how you can do it. What are your resources? How big is your team? How many, you know, how many people can you dedicate to fixing this thing? Mm -hmm. You know, prioritizing it. And that's where like Scrum comes in that's is this whole process. Yeah, which is really cool that like, yeah. I, I So now that I'm doing it, I don't think it's weird at all. But I understand like from other people's perspective, they could be like, this is really weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, but at the end of the day, I think everything is going to touch tech at some point. Oh, yeah. Every single thing is going to touch tech at some point. So if people are not familiar, and I think I'll pause and, and say this. I had a friend yesterday that asked me to help them. Um, actually, their father, who is, he is... Um, I would say in his golden years, um, but he is uh, taking on a role as a professor at one of the local colleges. And so he's now having to do virtual classes. And in those virtual classes, of course, that's on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And so he needed some assistance there. And it was, it was a pretty awesome experience to see his eyes light up 
when we figured out various things. We didn't get to solve the complete mystery that we were trying, that, that we didn't get to solve for what we actually came on the call for initially, but we found some other, um, some other aha moments, if you will, within the call. And it was good to see his eyes light up and just be excited about knowing more things as it relates to um, something as simple as a, a video conference call. So oh, yeah. uh, again, I think at some point, everybody in, at every age range is going to be doing something involving tech, which is a, is a great thing that makes us continue to elevate as a society. It, it is, and it, and it gives us more freedom. Um, you know, I don't know any kids now that don't know some sort of coding or, or aren't exposed on some level to software development because there's so much software. There's so many things being open source developments happening and apps. And I mean, we've got TikTok. What's the next thing that's going to come out? You know, I mean, like it's so I, I absolutely, but, but let's circle back though. So how did you get into Scrum, be, becoming a Scrum Master? Like, Okay. What was that introduction? So what happened was, uh, again, with the tech company that I'm with, um, I started out uh, in the, I would say the research space. And I was doing research in the latest and greatest in technology and doing what's called a deep dive on that. And then turning it over to a content team and, and things of that sort um, to help assist with frontline folks so they'd know how to troubleshoot for clients and so forth. Um, so I started out there. And in that role, I actually um, was put on a scrum team. And so I started to really love the framework. And I thought, and then I, I thought, this is something, uh, meaning a scrum master, because we had one, uh, I said, this is something that I would possibly like to do in the future. Um, so when the opportunity arose, you know, I, I jumped on it and became a certified scrum master and a certified scrum product owner. So That's it was awesome. an exciting time. It, it's a very exciting time. And I don't get to flex the muscle as much as I would like to now, because again, uh, my main focus in my role is leadership development. But from time to time, I'm asked to come in and to assist with uh, a particular project where I can, um, I can lend my agile skills uh, to some degree to help them to make things, make the process run more seamless. So, um, so it's a good time when I'm able to do that. And I think it really goes right into coaching because when you are looking at the world from an agile, once you start to understand this, these sort of agile processes, um, which we could go into more here, but I think people can probably look that up as well. But it's basically a process to understanding and breaking down projects and figuring out how to reach your goals. Um, and and there's, there's all these steps. There's a whole manifesto. Um, but when you start to look at things, it helps you to determine, like I'm sure you're coaching other people much better because you have this kind of framework in your mind of like, how can we, how can we approach you know, if you don't know where you're going, if you've got like X, this bucket of skills and this bucket of interests and, you know, these resources and you're trying to figure out how to go from here to there, um, then, you know, you definitely want someone who has a really solid process and foundation and framework to help guide you and step you through it. For sure. And I think, I think um, one of the biggest things that helps coaching to be successful is again, going back to that self-discovery piece and knowing that I make it very clear that um, 
you're the expert of your own life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even though you're coming to me and asking me for guidance or to assist you to come up with a process to quote unquote, solve a problem or get you to a particular place, the reality is the, the actual answers are inside of you. Mm -hmm. um, so what we have to get away from and we have to be very careful of is uh, suggesting or, or giving advice, which is definitely not part of coaching, that's more mentoring, but giving advice or saying, for instance, if you set up an action plan with someone, giving them the plan, and then they're going to work a plan that's really yours. The mm -hmm. issue with that is that's your plan and it may have worked for you, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for them because you're talking about someone with a totally, a totally different person, totally different uh, learning style, totally different personalities, all of those things. So again, it's important that the person self-discovers for themselves and figures it out for themselves and you're just there to keep them on track to guide them and to give them accountability. So that's basically where I find that is the biggest power in coaching. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, you have to be invested in your own journey. Like you can't just sit on the sidelines. Like I think that's part of the problem in our cultures that we've kind of sleepwalked through life and we do things that we're, are expected and we, we're not really 100%, like we don't realize each choice we're making is actually our choice. Like mm -hmm. we kind of blame it on other things or circumstances or whatever. And when you f really understand and take ownership of your journey and your life and your choices and add it, add into the mix, life is short. And then you start to get a, a lot more passionate about like, Hey, no, I really do want to do this. I want to crack this nut and I want to do something cool. But, um, but yeah, I think without that level of, of buy-in, on the personal mm -hmm. level, like it's just going to fall flat. Like people, people are not going to feel, they're not going to feel as directed. I think, I think the biggest part of coaching for me is just the idea that you have someone in your corner. Yeah. Like you have like a supportive, like you have that person that you can just be like, okay, I'm having all these crazy great ideas or whatever. And then, or maybe they could suck. I don't know. But, um, I just want to like bounce them off of you. And what do you think? And like, but you, but at the same time, you still know you, you're driving the bus, you're behind the wheel, mm -hmm. but, but you've got like this navigator with you that's kind of helping you. Yeah. Um, the navigation system. I love it. And yeah. it's always good when the navigation system has a pleasant voice. <laughs> I'm being facetious right now, but seriously, I'll never forget. Um, and I've had a number of different navigational systems, but the ones early on, I remember that the voices were sort of harsh and they were like, turn left. You know, it was really dark. And so <laughs> I think if you're going to be a navigational system, please be a pleasant one. So I would say, make sure that, uh, <laughs> make sure that your coach is one that um, is going to be in your corner, support you, be your biggest cheerleader as it relates to the goals that you're trying to achieve, uh, along with holding you accountable, of course, but they need to be someone that is encouraging you, motivating you to be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. That's very, very important. Oh, totally. I still, um, my GPS will, will tell me something. I'll be like, quit yelling at me. It's a little harsh. Um, the other thing that I want to mention, though, is, and I meant to mention this earlier, um, with coaching, a lot of times I have found, or definitely here and in, uh, in the climate that we're in now, 
where we have a lot of our kids that are out of school or they're in school, but they're, let me say they're in school, but they're um, doing their schooling virtually at home. I found that a lot of times that gives um, parents and adults less time to be able to do things for themselves or create spaces where they can have a, a sense of development a personal, uh, from a personal dis development standpoint. And so um, what I have done, the other passion project that I've done is created a space where people can come at their leisure and receive a quote unquote type of coaching. So I've done that in the form of courses. So rather than if you can't spend an hour long session with Tosh Inspires, you can actually go to the online school that I've created and um, you can take courses related to um, careers and personal development. So that's what I launched a little while ago. And I'm very excited about that because I found that was one of the things that was, um, that was a challenge was people would say, I just don't have the time to come to a coaching session, even though there is 24 hours in a day and seven days a week, when you're dealing with so many of the things of life, they just said, they, uh, honestly, I just don't have time to, to come to an hour long coaching session or a two hour long coaching session, even if it's going to be beneficial for me. And so again, it goes back to what you said earlier, Heather, you needed to solve something made you mad and you needed to solve a problem. So yes, in I turn, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I love that. So tell me, how can people get in touch with you? Like, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Awesome. So you can go to the website. It is toshinspires.com. Again, that is Tosh, T-A-S-H, inspires with an S.com. And there um, you can reach, you can reach out to us. Um, the, actually you can click on the, it's called the Inspirational Academy. You can click there for any of the courses. We have the book club where you can go and uh, take a look at uh, the book, Charlie and the Bigfoot, the new school. We also have a little area that I created because I'm really passionate about kids. Um, even though my kid is a big kid now or an adult, I'm really passionate about um, making sure that kids have positive outlets in order for them to have creative expression. Um, so we have a section on the website called uh, uh, Inspired Kids Club, and you can go on there and they have um, crafts, different craft type, um, different types of crafts you can make, um, recipes on there. Um, there is a story time uh, area that I definitely recommend. Uh, I started when this, when this pandemic started, I started writing little stories for kids. Um, this was uh, besides the, the book itself. Uh, and one of the stories is called Penelope, um, the, the Adventures of Penelope Phillips. And so that's in our story time session uh, section. It's a featured story and it's free and you can go on there and let your kids read through it. And I just want them to have avenues of, of uh, to be able to be creative and to do something that keeps them out of trouble. I know that they're some of them are bored to death, having to stay in the house, having to deal with all the protocols that we have to deal with in the current climate and situation. So we just want to offer them things to do so that they can uh, still be able to be kids, but be safe as well. 
I love that so much because I, I mean, our kids are our future mm-hmm. and, and I love the idea that you are providing inspirational content because I think there are a lot of different things out there to, for kids to be preoccupied or entertained by, but they're not necessarily really inspirational targeted messages or content or things that are like uplifting. Um, and I, I think that's so important because sadly there's so much negative and like, I think as adults, we're pretty good at filtering a lot of things if we want to, but I don't know how well our kids are doing that. So, you know, making sure that we're kind of like flooding the airwaves with the positive and inspirational versus adding more of the negative voices or, or just not responding, um, I think that's super, super key. And that that was a reason I started flipping dreams during this whole thing was I was like, I can't, there's a lot of things that other people are doing, but my greatest asset is I'm a cheerleader. So if I can bring people on, share their stories, if we can share people and, and just help people feel supported and encouraged and inspired and curious to like do something different or look into something different, then that's, that's my value add. Um, so yeah. I love that. We want the kids to have an imagination. I remember when I was little, that's all I used to do was imagine things. Yes. And I find like now, like you said, that just the way that they're, the little minds are occupied, it's so different. It's everything is, the imagination is out and everything is created for them. So they are pushed towards or led toward things rather than being able to provide creative expressions for themselves. It's so true. I mean, I feel really, really fortunate that I grew up before internet. I mean, like, I mean, we had like one computer in the classroom in junior high, mm-hmm. but like we, and we played Oregon trip. We had to line up and sign up to pay Oregon trail. That was my favorite. Yes. You have dysentery, but yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And like video games were new and like, you know, you had to have enough money to have Atari and like, it was just, there was a, it's not like it is today. And I spent a lot of time playing with caterpillars and in the forest and building forts and on walkie talkies with my brother and like, mm-hmm. um, build. Yeah. Like I had a whole, I read a ton and had a whole imagination. And I think, what a shame. Like even for me now as an adult, I force myself to go back. Like I go camping a lot. I'm living out of a trailer mostly right now because with my dog, I'm kind of doing this, embracing this minimalist travel lifestyle. And, um, and so within that, like it's forcing me because even though I'm on a screen for work all day and then I'm on a screen doing podcasts or having virtual happy hours or whatever it is that I'm doing right now. And then it forces me to step out and like, be outside and look at the trees and go walk on the water or do just be in touch again with nature and with our world around us, um, which is so different than our virtual world. And right now that I think that's really dangerous that yes, we need to be online everyone to connect, but oh my gosh, even more so we need to like disconnect and be like in nature. Like we need to actually remind ourselves of what, what else is out there. Like our imaginations be like open to that. Um, yeah. I, so I definitely, I feel for the kids who will grow up and all they, and they like cell phones are normal. Like for yeah. me, that, that was not normal. We did not have that. The street lights would come on and you knew it was time to go home. Like it was like, we did not have text messages. We did no. not have any of that. No. So yeah. Um, I feel bad. I feel bad for them. I feel like every family should have like an anti-digital day a month or week where they're like, okay, we're going to go, we're like literally going to be old school. 
And like, I think it should be some hours a day. Like this, this is an hour where there's just reading or, uh, or something where we're playing a game or something like that. I think that you, you're uh, on target with that. Or, or even storytelling, like forcing yeah. someone to tell stories or tell a, or imagine a story or make something up. And what was the color of the coat? What was this? What was that? What texture was it? Like just my language now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like having to describe a scene to someone else so that, you know, and they, they can't, there's nothing else. Like it's just words and it's like your imagination that you're filling in this, this that's such a powerful tool. Like mm -hmm. I, I love that idea. I love stories. I like one of the things that I want to, one of my things that I want to learn, because I love the fact that you, you know, we kind of talked about that in the beginning, how you made a commitment to yourself to learn new things. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is really hard. I mean, that's really commendable because we're generally afraid to like, we want to be experts of something and that's it. Yeah. Um, so like it's to constantly learn something new and be that vulnerable is mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. Um, and one of the things I want to do is I would, I have a dream to be on the moth and tell a story on the moth. Okay. So like I have to figure out how to tell stories better and I need to figure out like those resources and I've kind of pinged, I've found a few things and I'm like, okay, when I have some bandwidth, um, and I write, I write all the time. So mm -hmm. I'm like work, but the art of telling your story out loud in yeah. a finite period of time and yeah. having each word count, like having it impact. Like that's something that really fascinates me. And I just, I love listening to the moth. I love listening to the stories. So. Yes. Well, you just have to practice. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, you keep practicing. It's going to become second nature to you. You're just going to do it. You're not going to even know you're doing it, but you're going to be fantastic at it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just fun. There's so much out there for us to do and learn and grow and, and mm -hmm. see and be. Okay, I'm just rhyming now, <laughs> but I mean, right? You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what would you tell people it, that are kind of listening to this and are like, yeah, but it's just overwhelming. Like, how do I even begin? Like, how? Like, yeah, I might be interested. I might see these things. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing all of these ideas, mm -hmm. but I'm just like, how am I even supposed to do that? Um, you just do it. I mean, <laughs> you just start, you just, you, you make a commitment to yourself. You, you, you have the courage because it, it does take courage to do it. Because again, like you said, you're being very vulnerable. Like I said, doing the golf and I'm just going to be honest. It wasn't like I was golfing with women. <laughs> so I'm golfing, yeah. I'm golfing with a lot of males that, and not to say that they all know what they are doing, but they knew a little more than me. And then I was the only quote unquote girl. Um, and yeah, but it's I did a lot of pressure. It's intimidating. It's scary. Yeah. All of that. I didn't care. I, I, I just said, this is something that I want to do. So you just have to make up in your mind when there is something that you want to do, you're going to do it. Cause again, I go back to what I said earlier, life is short. And when I say short is one moment you think you're perfectly healthy. And the next thing they do, they tell you that you have a tumor in your head and that's you, that's the reality of life. And don't, I'm not saying that to scare you, but what I'm saying uh, that um, what the reason I'm saying that is to tell you that you never know when, what, or how. 
But the reality is you make up your own narrative. You control what your life is going to be. And mm -hmm. so that's every single day. You have to make an effort to decide is today a good day or not? Because no matter what, you can wake up in the morning and you accidentally stepped on your cat. That would be totally sad. Don't do it. But it could happen if the cat goes by and you, at the same time, you putting your feet down to the ground. So that's a bad thing. So the, the cat's hurt. You spill coffee all over you. You try to start your car. It doesn't start. You, you're late for work. All of these things are occurring. But guess what? You still are in control. And you decide whether to turn that day around by having a positive attitude and you decide that you're going to um, make the effort for that day to be better. And that's just with everything. You are the person that's in charge of deciding whether something is going to be good or bad or deciding that you're going to step out and do something in the first place. You make those decisions, no one else. And the other thing that I'll say about that is you are in control of your success. So you have to decide what success looks like to you. And I think that's part of why a lot of people become very fearful and don't want to tackle new things is they think about what other people will think and say, and they also think about how they will measure up to someone else. But again, one of the other quotes that I quote very often is run your own race, hmm. run your own race. So if you're looking at the other folks that are in the race, you're probably not going to win because you're focused on the wrong things. If you focus on you and focus on the finish line, then no matter what place you come in, it's a success because you finished. And, mm -hmm. and that's just it. So you write a book and you didn't publish it this time. You finished. Give yourself permission to be excited about something that you've done. The key is to finish. And then from there, the next time that you write a book, Maybe you do publish it. The next time that you do this, maybe you do that. So the point being, don't be fearful because you are trying to figure out whether you're going to measure up to someone else. You're not them. Totally different person. Just be you. Be authentically you. Be excited about who you are. Celebrate your differences and don't be afraid to let yourself shine in whatever capacity that is. Just be good with being you. Oh man, that's such good advice. And like, I might turn all of that into a soundbite to like be played so people could just play over and over. Like, that's great. Just when you feel discouraged, okay, click on Tosh. She's going <laughs> to tell me exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. I'm yes. looking at, looking at other people through, through peripheral instead of have that tunnel vision and just really focusing on who Tosh is and what Tosh brings to the table. I am somebody, I am important, I am uh, purposeful and there's a reason for me being here and I'm going to tap into that and I'm going to make that happen for me. And that's what you have to tell yourself each and every day. This is my moment and I'm going to make this moment count. Yes. And that success is actually now. Mm -hmm. It's not in the future. It's now like mm -hmm. each and every moment that you're doing the thing that you are passionate about, that success. Like You define it. You mm -hmm. define the success. Don't, don't let someone tell you, well, that was kind of, you kind of did well. No, I did amazing because I, I, I took the first step to get started. Oh, and be, you know, pay attention because the people who are most critical, they're just the ones who are too afraid to get in the, in the mm -hmm. arena in the first place. Mm -hmm. And also circling back to courage, just a reminder, a good old Brene Brown reminder of like courage is not the absence of fear. 
Like courage, courage just means that you see, you acknowledge the fear and you continue to take action and step forward. Mm -hmm. Like, so just because you're courageous doesn't mean you're not scared half out of your mind. (laughs) It just means that you just go for it. Just go for it. And then walk in peace. Here's the thing. Be peaceful at all times, even when you're experiencing adversity, because peace is not an absence of adversity. Mm -mm. You know, but mm-hmm. what, it, what it does, peace allows you to be knowledgeable that there is joy on the other side. And so that's what you really, really have to tap into, finding that joy on the other side. I had to do that. I, I don't, I'm a crier, so I hope I don't break out, but I'm just thinking back. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I said I wasn't going to do it today. <laughs> I'm just thinking back just a year ago and the fear, Heather. Oh yeah. The fear that I had. And had I not just decided that, hey, I'm gonna make it. Despite it all, I'm gonna go through this and, and I'm gonna make it. But not just that, I'm gonna live my life out loud. And I'm going to live it to the fullest. And the things that I have been putting off to do because number one, I've oh, I say I'm too busy or uh, it's not the time or whatever the case may be, I started to make the time, like you said, now. And every moment is the time to do something. And so that's just very important. And don't let, as we talked about earlier, don't let the naysayers keep you from living out your dreams. And your dreams don't have to be their dreams. You don't have to be the most famous person in the world for it to be a dream. A dream can be anything. A dream can be going back to school. A dream can be finding a job that you enjoy rather than you tolerate. There's so many things that encompass being a dream. So don't just focus on what society would say having a big dream is. A big dream is what you make it. You decide to make it a dream. And then after you make it a dream, you got to go for it. Yes. Oh, I love it. This is so amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I just feel so just blessed and just grateful that you exist and that you're here, uh, you know, talking to me today and sharing like all of this wisdom and enthusiasm and inspiration. I love it. Well, I want to leave the folks with, with just a couple of things. One is I want to go back to my initial, um, statement uh, about listening to your body, because that's why mm. I really, that was one, that's one of the things that I really want to evangelize through any um, type of platform that I'm allowed to speak on. It's just listening to your body and, and your body gives you clues when something is not right. Mm-hmm. And even if it's, if it's little subtle changes, like for me, it started with the hair, the hair being brittle and, and nail changes. It starts that something this big and important, like the tumor can start with something that little. And so you need to be very in tune with self and know that if you see changes, go see about it. That's number one, never get too busy um, to go see about that. And then the other thing is, despite adversity, be okay with turning tragedy into triumph and seizing the moment. Um, Don't allow the grave to be richer than you. Mm. Cancel the notion that the grave will take um, your brilliant ideas and your books and your speeches and whatever else you want to go after, your movies, your inventions, whatever the case may be. Don't let the grave um, decide that it's going to take that from you decide to pursue those goals and those dreams. And when you do, then take action. 
So yes. that's what I want to leave. Oh, I love that. And now you, you have quoted a few things already, but did you have a special quote that you wanted to share? Like one of your favorite quotes or something that's like really relevant to you right now? Well, that would be the one where I shared, which is just um, don't focus on others. Just run your own run race. Run your own race. Yeah. Run yeah. your own race. It's, it's yes. yours to run. This is your race and you will finish. And not only that, you're going to be triumphant. I, I really believe it. Oh, I love it so much. Well, I am going to be sharing all of your links, your content, all the stuff into the show notes and, um, uh, hopefully people, yeah, if you want to be inspired, if you want a coach on your side, running, running there, you know, your navigator, um, reach out, reach out to Tosh. She, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm already ready to go run around the house a few times after after talking with you. So, Heather, thank yeah. you so much for this amazing platform. I've listened to other other the other shows, and I knew that this would just be a special moment in time. So, oh, I love your voice. I love your 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 attitude about life. I love that you've transitioned and pivoted so many different times because I've had that same journey. But I think that's what makes life special is that we continue to evolve and move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes life all worthwhile. And having people like you in it, reminding people that like there there are amazing people out there. You just have to you just have to search for them. And hopefully Flipping Dreams is going to become that community of bringing some of those voices and people together. Absolutely. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. You do the same. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Talk yeah. to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flipping Dreams. I hope that you were equally inspired by Tasha's story, and I hope you check out the link to her book in the show notes, as well as reach out to Tosh if you're interested in having someone help you as a coach guide you through the next steps of your journey. Again, we love having you here on Flipping Dreams, and we look forward to serving you another great inspiring story next week. Take care and don't forget, it's never too late to transform your past and empower your future. Mm -hmm.